Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Everything Kratom, the podcast about anything and everything Kratom. Great to have you with us on this Monday morning, hoping all is well with you. Hopping right into it, shall we? All right, so today I'm talking about another article that's come out from the Tampa Bay Times. This one is kind of following up on the last, and like I said, it seems like there's going to be a multi-part series here of articles coming out. If you didn't catch that last episode, check it out and go to the articles themselves. So if you didn't catch that last episode, essentially the Tampa Bay Times seems to be doing a multi-part series on Kratom-related deaths or caused deaths in Florida and trying to do a deep dive into it. And I think quite successfully so doing at least one of the more comprehensive deep dives into, you know, like an investigation into Kratom-related deaths in a systematic way that I've seen. So I do tip my hat off to them. Once again, I do want to start off the episode by saying that. Pretty awesome that they're doing it. Now, that being said, my takeaway from that last episode was that I think that so far what they're showing is there are a lot of, um, you know, there's like 550, 580, whatever it was, somewhere in that range, Kratom caused or related deaths that they wanted to basically... Um, not showcase, that's not the right word, but, but but dive into a bit more. And um, and for the most part, what they're finding so far, based on their first article, is that they have uncovered maybe like 45, 46 some odd cases where Kratom seems to be the only thing involved, but that I think that so far they haven't done a good enough job of proving to me that that is the only thing to be taken into account in those cases, especially given that one of the first things they say is that 18 of those people had existing medical conditions. Many of them have um, prescription drugs as well. And uh, it's just, they just haven't quite clearly laid out yet where it is someone taking like, you know, kratom leaf powder at any reasonable serving size and passing away. So in my opinion, so far, I haven't seen kratom being deadly in and of itself. However, I don't think that it should be up for discussion whether or not Kratom can be deadly or dangerous in the wrong circumstance. Um, I think that if someone takes a whole bunch of Kratom, especially extract, but in, in any form, and they're combining it with a type of prescription drug that uses the same enzyme pathway and, you know, slows down the, the, the breaking down of Kratom or if they have existing medical conditions or both. And then, of course, the fact that multiple, if you know, not just multiple, but almost every single case where Kratom is involved in a death, there are illicit substances as well, multiple illicit substances as well. So I think that they're doing a great job. I think that they need to show me more specific, direct evidence of Kratom being deadly in and of itself. Now, that being said, I think they're doing a lot of work and legwork. This second article is talking about products that they tested. They tested 20 some odd Kratom products 
And it's, I think this is really interesting. One of the most interesting aspects of their findings for me. Speciosiliatine, which I never can pronounce right, speciosiliatine, it's one of the more prevalent alkaloids in Kratom, but it's not the most well-known because really the only two I hear people talk about are metragynine and 7-hydroxymetragynine. Um, you know, 7-hydroxymetragynine seems to be more of a heavy hitter than metragynine does. It seems to be more opiate, uh, I guess, you know, if, if you're trying to think of how close to, to opiate-like effects you might get from Kratom, 7-hydroxymetragynine might be more of the culprit than anything else. Um, but again, I'm waiting way out of my element here, and uh, there's a lot we don't know. However, spiciosiliotine is up there. It's like one of the more prevalent ones after those two. And actually, this finding... That's my understanding, at least. But in this study, they're finding that that's, that was the second most uh, common alkaloid in these products found. The second most. So, even more so than 7-hydroxymetragynine, which gets a lot of attention, and which most of the Kratom Consumer Protection Acts out there that people introduce to regulate Kratom but keep it legal... That's the that's the alkaloid that that they usually like references. Oh, there shouldn't be more than two percent of seven hydroxymetragynine in any given product because that's kind of around natural levels, yada yada. Um, however much merit that has, that's usually the one you hear about. Second most abundant in these products, spiciosiliatine, and I might add, and they did add, there was no instructions or information regarding this alkaloid. There was no direction about it. There was no specific mentions about how much there should or would be or, you know, what the daily cap should be in terms of serving size. Like, like this is just an alkaloid that is in the Wild West, apparently. And I thought that that was fascinating and very helpful to my own understanding of what kind of regulation I would want to see in place um, if, if I was to, like, you know be part of any sort of coalition putting together a bill to, to, to regulate Kratom. I would not have included anything about this alkaloid until I saw this article. So they are changing my mind on some things. I do want also to be very clear on that. Like, what is this alkaloid? It's the second most prevalent, yet I don't hear anything about it ever. And it's not part of any Kratom Consumer Protection Act that I've seen, like, you know, outright. I mean, I'm sure it's in somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm not sure about that. But regardless... It's not something that I come across every single day in any Kratom-related content whatsoever. And the fact that it's second most prevalent in all of these 20 Kratom products they tested, which they tested pills, tablets, liquid extracts, powder-filled capsules, and leaf powders. The fact that it's the second most prevalent on average is kind of remarkable to me. And it makes me think, okay, we need more, like, focus on this alkaloid. That's pretty wild you know <laughs> i mean like come on like how is it that we don't actually why is that the case i mean like why don't i hear more about spiciosiliotine and i have been hearing about it a little bit recently which is why i did an episode a little while back or i guess it was a ways back but still it i mean i've only ever thought of those other two so more or less i think that this is really valuable to me in that department for sure and i think that it should definitely be done on mass. Now, I guess my takeaway from this, and again, I'll link it so you can take a look yourself, is that it seems to be making the case for more regulation of Kratom products. And 
And it kind of is starting, in my opinion, again, to conflict with the narrative put forth last week that the lobby for Kratom trying to make it regulated and legal is like not uh, approaching this in a decent way. So the reason why I'm kind of taking issue with their uh, narrative that they're kind of putting together here, although it's early, is because they're saying that the, you know, people have been saying that Kratom is safe. You've been telling you that it's safe. Like the Kratom lobby, AKA the AKA American Kratom Association have been telling you that it's safe when it's not. And that, that they just want to regulate it and keep it around. But look, this is like dangerous and it's killing people and look at all the products and how unregulated they are. (laughs) You know, you're starting to see what I'm saying. It's like, okay, I don't trust the AKA any more so than any other lobbying organization. I wouldn't put my life in their hands and I certainly wouldn't look at something they put forward and just assume it's okay without wanting it super scrutinized. You know, I mean, who? no one should trust the AKA any more than anyone else. I mean, we need to look out for ourselves and any organization that's organized around anything has an inherent interest in that thing. So, so just because they're putting forth something that maybe someone agrees with doesn't mean that that person should agree with it in and of itself, if that makes sense. Now, getting around my roundabout way of talking, I think that if you're going to show that Kratom is dangerous, you have to show that it's dangerous. You have to show that it's dangerous and define what you mean by that. Because being dangerous in and of itself is one thing. Being dangerous in combination with other things is nothing new and nothing really that I think deserves any attention honestly it's not unless it was prevalent in every single overdose case like fentanyl is pretty much in like 70 or 80 percent of the overdose cases right now in america then maybe it deserves some attention but the fact that they're like you know i don't know they're combing they're really combing the data here now that is something i said last week but if you're stating that it's dangerous and that the ak people have been lying to you is what they're saying and saying it's safe you need to show that it's not safe. You need to show it's inherently not safe, In again, in my opinion. And you need to then show how they've been, like, pushing it has been not right. And the way that supposedly it's been pushed by Kratom lobbying is that it is safe, it's effective, it's good to have around, and we should regulate it in a way so that the FDA can't take it away and so that it sticks around, right? Like, that's that's essentially what the Kratom lobby's position is. So they want regulation, they want labeling, they want testing. This article is putting forward this, like, this, this point saying, well, look, we tested these 20 products and they are not uniform. They don't even have the right alkali content mentioned or they don't mention the second most prevalent one at all. They don't have the correct dosage amount or serving size amount. They make false claims, all this other stuff. Um, they, you know, there's not enough testing data. Um, they're, they're finding inconsistent data, no consumer warnings, etc., etc. You can read through all this yourself, but if that's the argument then regulation is the way to go. I mean, like, if, if this is kind of starting to try and prove a point here, what I've learned so far is that combining this thing with other things is bad. There seems to be a potential risk when you have medical conditions and not combining it with something else that's bad, but also combining it with, like, you know, prescriptions can be really bad. 
And so we need more research into that. But as with anything, there's nothing special about that yet. And then as far as regulation goes, well, that's kind of been the position the whole time. We need to regulate it. Now, if the argument ends up being that there needs to be more regulation and that the regulation around Kratom that is maybe being lobbied for is not good enough, then I say kudos, I agree. Because I had no idea that speciosilitine, again, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, is the second most common thing in all of these different products and that it's not mentioned anywhere. That's news to me. That's one of the first really, really, really valuable pieces of information I think I'm gaining from these reports. I want to start seeing that everywhere. I want to start seeing that level of that alkaloid everywhere. I want to know what its average amount is in a given kratom plant. Why is it the second most prevalent by the time it gets to your your shelf, you know, or wherever you're buying it from? Is that a change over time? Is it a natural change over time since picking the plant or is it something that's been messed with? And why is it not part of any of this potential proposed regulatory language that we see in all these creating consumer protection acts being proposed everywhere why is 7-hydroxymetragynine still don't know how to say it i don't know how to say it why is the seven hydroxy one (laughs) always the one that's saying no more than two percent of this but we don't have any sort of of template to go forward with when it comes to the speciosiliatine one so as always, I'm approaching this fairly unbiased, honestly. I'm I'm it might sound a little confident or cocky, but I, I I honestly do feel like I've got nothing to gain or lose here. So I'm just looking at it for what it is. And so far, I'm gaining some valuable insight from their reports, and I'm also not seeing too much that's new in the essential like the 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 essence of their argument so far to me is unclear, or the essence of what they're trying to prove. If this is just simply to present findings, then then that's fine, and I think it's very valuable. But the, given the fact that they're saying people have been touting it as safe, but it's not, means that they do have a message. So if they do have a message, right now it's unclear to me what it is, because it, so far they're showing that regulation needs to be a bit more stringent and more specific. But other than that, I don't really see I don't really see what their point is yet. But as far as their information presenting that and showing that we don't nearly know enough and that there needs to be more thought put into how we approach Kratom, that I think their message is very clear. They're doing a great job of it, and I want to see more. So there's my sum up of today of what I think about this so far. I'm going to keep looking for it. I'm going to keep an open mind about it. Hope you do too. And um, I want to start seeing more messaging on speciosiliatine or whatever that thing is. Like, you know, teach me. Teach me, what is that thing? Why is it there? How much am I taking with my Kratom? I don't know. I want to start knowing that, that's for sure. So there you go. It's changing minds right now. All right, everyone, let's leave it there. Hope you're all doing well, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.